Good morning. I hope you're well this morning. I've got a few. I don't want to break this thing this morning. Brought along my lamp and a bowl of not sugar, uh, but salt this morning. Uh, I think it's quite fitting to do that. So if people want to move down to the front row, I'll be throwing salt um, during the. No takers? No, I won't do that. Um, it'll just get everywhere. There was a man who walked into a convenience store, just like a little 7-Eleven, and he walked up to the counter, and the owner was there standing at the counter, and he asked, do you guys sell salt? And the owner goes, yes, we sell salt. Took him to the aisle. This is only about three or four hours, small convenience store, and there's a whole shelf full of salt. Got things like Himalayan pink salt, which is really in at the moment, and all different types of table salt, rock salt, all different types of salt on this shelf. And the customer goes, man, you guys sell a lot of salt. The owner goes, wait till you see our warehouse at the back. And so he takes him to the warehouse. Um, it's just slightly smaller than the store. And they've got about two shelves worth of salt in boxes, all ready to put out in the store. And the customer's going, man, such a small store, you guys sell a lot of salt. The owner goes, oh, wait on, you should check our shed out the back. And so he takes him out the back, and there's a shed, a decent sized shed that they've got, and going, that's bigger than the store, the shed. And in there, op as he opens the door, there's boxes and boxes and boxes of salt, all different types. And the customer is just going, wow, you must sell heaps and heaps of salt. And the owner goes, no, we don't. But the salt salesman sells a lot of salt. <laughs> we come this morning as we are going through our series on the commands of Jesus to look at salt and light. And this comes in the context of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount as he delivers it. And it comes really at the start of his message. And I've got, as I said, I've got my bowl of salt and a lamp this morning just to show you a few things. Let me pray. Dear God, we just thank you that you brought us here this morning. Lord, we thank you for the rain. And Lord, we thank you that we can have this wonderful building that we can come inside, stay dry, and just hear about your word and, and give glory to you and worship you this morning. Lord, we pray that you just open our hearts this morning, speak to us. Give us something new, give us something fresh that we can take to us, take from here and use it. Amen. So the command of Jesus, there's sort of two commands in this. But they're, they're, they're strange commands. The first command we look at salt. So Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. The command doesn't go... You should be the salt of the earth. Or if a, you are a follower of Jesus, you, you would be the salt of the earth. The command is, you are the salt of the earth. And it's quite important to understand the importance of salt in the Bible, in both the Old and New Testament. Salt, as we see, just as it's used now, is used to season food. You know, we put salt in, in different meals. And the same thing in the Old Testament. They use salt to season various different foods. One, one, one you might know is that in Leviticus, God commands Moses that as they present the grain offerings 
to God in the temple that the grain offerings are seasoned with salt. It's quite an important part as their, as their worship to God to do this. Salt is also used as the symbol between the covenant of God and Israel. That bumps it up to a, quite a high level of importance in their culture. And if we know where Israel is and the location, you've got this place called the Dead Sea. And something, a key characteristic of the Dead Sea is that it is incredibly salty. It's actually 13 times more salty than both the um, Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean. 13 times more salt in the Dead Sea in the same size of water as those ones. So it's incredibly salty. They had an endless supply of salt in the land of milk and honey, in the promised land. And we see it's quite important in their history. And the way that Jesus phrases it is important. Remember I said that he said, you are the salt. You don't become salt. Is as believers of Jesus, you simply are the salt. If you're a believer here, you're the salt of the earth. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to become it. You simply, once you believe, you are the salt of the earth. And Jesus uses this quite importantly. But then he asks a question. Jesus loves asking questions. And the question that he asks in this passage is, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? So when we think about salt, if salt loses its saltiness, what, what is salt then? The whole fact of salt is that it is salty. So if salt loses its saltiness, it's just really just little granules of, of nothing. It's actually not worth anything if it loses its saltiness. So the weight of what Jesus is saying here is that you as a believer are the salt of the world, the salt of the earth. But if you lose your saltiness, what is your worth to the earth? What are you worth? And he follows it up with an answer. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. That's some serious sort of weight that Jesus has there when he talks about the salt. And the second part of it is the light. So Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the light. He phrases it the same way as the salt. You don't become the light, you are the light of the world. It's within you, it's inside you, it's what you are it's what makes up you as a believer of Jesus, the fact that you are the light of the world. Light in, in, the, in the Bible is quite important as well. It's used even more than salt. We go even back to Genesis 1, where Jesus spoke light, and it was there, and it was good. Light is good. In 1 John... God is referred to as light. So God actually is the light. And we talk about in Proverbs as well, it talks about if we're going to be on a path of righteousness, this path of righteousness is a path of light. 
and again and again. It's just constantly in the, in the Bible. And one important one in the gospel in John 8. It talks about Jesus being the light of the world. It uses the same language that he then uses. And that if we have the light of life and we follow him, we also are the light of the world. So there's this constant theme of light that just goes throughout the Bible. And we see in this, these themes that there's a battle between light and darkness in the Bible. It draws on this battle between God and Satan. Satan as the darkness, God as the light. And all those that live in the light are people who follow God, follow Jesus and obey him. And those that don't are living in the darkness. And so it's quite an important theme, this light and darkness that Jesus has and Jesus brings forth in the Bible. And this battle between light and darkness, it comes to the, the crux, it comes to the pinnacle when Jesus comes down onto the earth. Jesus really brings and weaves this theme of light and darkness. And he brings it to the point that he defeats darkness on the cross. He takes it all in him. Even, even around the cross, when Jesus died, it looked like darkness won. Because the whole world just goes dark. It's not nighttime, but it goes dark. So this theme of darkness and light, and darkness thinks he's won. Satan thinks he's won. But we know that. Jesus rose from the dead and he defeated darkness. And this is the gospel that we live and breathe. This is exactly what we're about, this light that is in us. And that is how we are the light. Luke 11 speaks these words. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is a lamp of the body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. See to it then, that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will, just, it will be just as full of light as when the lamp shines its light on you. This theme of light and darkness. Jesus says, do not hide the light. He says, to so put it on a stand so that it may shine on you, may shine out from you. He doesn't say to hide it. He doesn't say to put it back here and, and hide it within and deep within yourself. No, he wants us to to shine our light, put it on a stand, do not hide it under a bowl. And this light isn't meant to be part of ourselves, is that second part. As the light of the world, the light isn't just meant to be inside us. It's not just meant to be in our hands. It's not just meant to be seen through our eyes. It's meant to be shining the whole part of our body. We should be able to see this light just glowing from us and making sure that it's never hidden but always displayed I'm not sure if you've had a similar experience but when I meet people that I don't know who they are if they're a believer in Jesus there's something that, that glows from them there's something different about them when you meet them 
and I get this sense that I feel like you know and love Jesus. I had this sense when I worked at a car dealership and a customer came in and he was just super excited and there was something about him that just glowed. You know, not physical. He wasn't physically glowing like he was uh, just been through like a toxic pit or something like that. Um, but he was, he was glowing. There was something glowing about him. And he came in and I was talking to him and, and looking in. He was looking at buying a car and, and it was just this thing that was glowing. And I found out, you know, found out through the, our conversation that he was a Christian. He go to the local church there in Mount Gravatt and he just loved Jesus. And you could just see that. You could just sense this love that he had for Jesus. He wasn't physically going, but he, he was glowing. That is an example of how we are the light of the world. We should be able to walk into a space and glow. We should be able to walk into a space and it should just light up. We should be able to walk into church here and this is different lights coming together and it should just glow. It shouldn't be dark because we are the light of the world. That's the command. That's what we are. And let's not hide this light. And so it's important to note, as Jesus' command, that we are the light of the world. You don't become the light. You don't understand all these theological concepts. And, and then once you read a, reach a certain level, it's like, man, God finally switches your light switch on or whatever it is. No, you are the light. If you believe and trust in Jesus Christ, you are the light of the world. So what does this mean? So we're the salt of the earth, and we are the light of the world. But what does this mean? It's good that we are these things, and Jesus says that we are, but what does it mean for us? What does it mean in what we do? What does it mean in how we act? You remember my story about the, uh, the convenience store earlier? They had a lot of salt. But that salt wasn't doing anything. It was just sitting on the shelf. It's not being used. It's not preserving food. It's not flavoring food. That salt is worthless. And so if a salt isn't used, it has no worth to the body. The same thing that if it loses its saltiness, it's worth nothing. And so if we're going to be the salt of the earth, we need to make sure that we're using our saltiness. And one of the greatest things, I was speaking to a guy last, last week at Alpha as I was trying to rattle and talk about salt, and, and he reminded me this, me of this, that when you have salt, it makes you thirsty. I was like, man, that's a light bulb moment, but it seems like we all should know it. That's why Maccas, when you go to Maccas, their food is high in salt content. It's so that when you have a burger, you also buy a drink. And maybe if you have another burger, they want you to buy another drink. Because salt makes you thirsty. So if we're going to be the salt of the earth, we want to make people thirsty for the gospel. Yeah? We are the salt. If we're going out and we're, we're being the salt of the earth, we should be walking around and people want to be thirsty for the gospel. Got to be working in their hearts. But if we're taking that salt, if we're getting off the shelf 
and actually being used in the earth, people will be thirsty for the gospel. Would just be, and that could be in your workplace. That can be, you know, when you go down to the park, when you walk around. Whatever it is, we can make people thirsty for the gospel. Because we are the salt of the earth. And that is what salt does. And so that's how we can apply this, this salty concept into our lives. Whatever it does, just think of, how can I be salty? Maybe it's just something as simple as actually buying some salt and putting it on your desk at work. Somebody will go, why do you have a, like a, a cup of salt on your desk? You go, well, as a matter of fact, I'm actually the salt of the earth. Now, that might be a little bit weird, but weave it into conversation of what it is. That, that might be something that you need is going, wow, salt of the earth. Maybe carry on like a jet, random jar of salt just to um, bring, it, yeah, bring it around and give it to people and just go, yeah, I'm just, just passing on some of my salt uh, to you. And what are you, these people are weird. These Christians are weird. <laughs> but just something like that. I used to... Um, when I was being trained to, to be a car salesman, um, we were being trained by the Mitsubishi uh, sales, sales guy. And he said, one of the ways, using that similar concept, one of the ways you could do, because I worked for Mitsubishi, and the actual Mitsubishi means uh, water chestnut, and three water chestnuts. There's some knowledge there for you as well. So he said to go and, go and actually physically buy a can of water chestnuts and put it on your desk, just so people would ask, why have you got water chestnuts on your desk? And it's like, well, as a matter of fact, water chestnut means Mitsubishi. And he goes, that's so successful using that tactic of just to break down barriers as we're sharing, as I was selling cars. But the same thing can be used as a salt. It just breaks down a barrier that you talk about something, talk about salt, and then you weave in the gospel. The gospel is there. The gospel is in the salt. We're not forgetting about light. We are the light of the world. Let's let our light shine before others. My example of the, the guy that came and bought a car off me is that there's something different about him. And as a believer, we're not the only ones that can see that. That light that was shining through him can be seen by others as well. And he made sure that I was asking questions about why he was so excited. And it wasn't just because he was buying a car, because he owned a business and he bought a few cars before as well. But it was fact that he loved Jesus. And that's why he was so excited to share the gospel with me and to make sure that I knew and understood the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we should be doing. Um, maybe same thing, buy a jar, um, just a random jar and just put light in it. And people will go, why have you got this random jar? And you go, well, it's got light in it. And it's like, what? You go, I'm the light of the world. Something that works. Something different works for each person. Those that work in warehouses or in retail stores and that, it'll work, work differently for everyone. But understanding that you are the light of the world, I think is the most important part. That you have this gospel, which is a good news for all people. It is good news that we have for people. It is good news that people want to hear this. And they want to hear and understand what Jesus is and what the good news is. Jesus closes that section. In the same way, let your light shine before others 
that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. If we're shining our light, it will bring glory to God. Whatever we do, whether it's an attitude of love towards people, that light as we're living in the world and shining it before others, it will glorify God. What we do will glorify God. And that's it. That's the command today, is to be the salt of the earth. You are the salt. And so let's take that salt off the shelf and use it. You are the light of the world. Let's shine our light before others. Let me pray. Dear God, I just I thank you for what you've given us. Lord, I thank you for uh, your gifts of, of love and, and the fact that you, you've commanded us to do things, but you've just given us everything in order to do it. You've given us the tools, the tools to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And Lord, we just pray that you would just help us find a way that we can, can be that in our communities. We can really use that saltiness to create thirst for the gospel and that light that will just shine for all to see you. Amen.